Hey, what's up, everybody? What's up, people? Hey, it's just us, JJ, Terrence. Terrence. Um, what did we talk about today? Oh, yeah, we were. Go ahead. So yeah, we talked a little bit about quantum mechanics, many worlds interpretation, inspired by the Sean Carroll podcast with Joe Rogan. Yeah. So uh, you guys should check that one out. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, and yeah, me and Juan just talked about. We kind of danced around the whole yeah. many worlds thing a little bit and interpretation of quantum mechanics. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we talked about interpretations. We talked a little bit about in the beginning of like what and like how do you how would you classify yourself as a physicist if you could? How would you classify right, yourself right, as a yeah, physicist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how could you? Okay, I don't remember. Yeah, that. I remember. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if we lost the audio. I don't know if we did. Um, oh yeah, we had a little hiccup. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, we'll we'll you know, fix it. We'll, we'll fix it. But uh, yeah, I, I think if you want to stick around for us sort of talking a little bit about um, what Sean Carroll had stated in his most recent uh, visit at the Rogan Studios yeah. in California, what, uh, what he has to say about the state of quantum mechanics and the philosophy of it and all that. And it's stuff that we've sort of said before anyway, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of the graduate student perspective, and we yeah. can kind of add a little bit more enlightenment to that whole area. So if you like Joe Rogan, you like Sean Carroll, you know, check out that podcast mm-hmm. and then follow up with ours. And, you know, it, it should add a little bit more interesting um, analysis yeah. to that whole thing. So. Yeah, and, and leave comments. Uh, yeah. if, if you're a physicist, you know, feel free to interact with us. We do answer, like, we do read the comments and answer yeah. them and stuff. So, uh, so yeah, just um, make sure to share. Yep. Like. Mm-hmm subscribe yeah um follow, follow that twitter follow on twitter you know we're, we're actually trying to engage more in instagram but you know it's an uphill battle for us uh <laughs> but yeah so if you do that yeah um yeah i think that's yeah. pretty much it right yeah and it's just just to make sure you guys remember it's eigen it's at eigen bros on twitter mm-hmm. um you can go to our website too it's eigenbros.com yeah and then we also have the mailing list you can sign up on there and uh, yeah, we have our Instagram. We're gonna try to get some more on there. Um, yeah, for the mailing list, you mail us stuff. We don't mail you. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, mail, mail us presents. Yeah, mail us presents, <laughs> money, any, anything yeah. really, anything that's uh, well, actually nothing tax. You know, you know, anything anything that's tax deductible for us. We yeah, can just say it's for the show. So. But yeah, guys, we even have a TikTok, but we're going to try to oh, see what no. the hell to do with see, that. I don't know yet. That, I was like, ah. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. But um, yeah. Physics memes coming, coming to you. Indeed. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned, guys. Three, two, one. <laughs> I like that slow dramatic countdown. It, it is, it is, it is. Um, <laughs> I put some new ones in here. You did some new what? Some new audio clips. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now it's just a matter of, damn it. There we go. <laughs> you ready for this one? Yeah! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> It's like Eric Andre level of uh, applause. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I got lucky that I found it a while back. Um, I also got this one just when uh, we were really stinking it up.
<laughs> okay, enough of that. Would you pull uh, that from Murray? Say what? Did you pull that from Maury? No, no, no. You are not the father. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then I got a... Uh, whoa, that one didn't show up. Did you hear that one? Kids, man. The classic. Whoa. Okay, the kids can stop. That's the all one right, Black, everybody. Huh? That's the one Black Pen, Red Pen uses all the time. Oh, really? Okay. Shout out to Black, Red, Black Pen, Red Pen YouTube channel. Yeah, shout out. Have you I ever don't. seen that channel? I think I have. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. But I think Asian uh, dude, Chinese. I don't know. Okay, you would know more than I do. Yeah, he's, he's like math, a, but um, he solves like problems all the yeah. time. Very simple to understand. I mean, they're calculus level, but it's really um, he really makes it nice and easily understandable. Yeah, but you're more of a YouTube connoisseur than I am. I think. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's my that's my area for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of YouTube. We wanted to uh, discuss a little bit about, you know, it's kind of tradition here in the channel that we talk about some guests that appear, physicists in specific, that appear on Joe Rogan's very uh, influential uh, radio slash podcast show. Mm-hmm. So here we are. Yes. As, so. as two grad... You know, graduate students in physics. We well, kind of graduate, have... quote unquote, because I'm no longer a student. <laughs> well, but, you know, um, I would say, you know, I like to personally say amateur up and you know, because you're an amateur up until they say you're not an amateur, which is when you get a PhD, right? I don't like to say amateur. I'm just going to say physics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder because you... we know enough physics to not be amateur. It's just a matter of how much research you do, and also it's like, but it's like even a non-amateur physicist. Yeah. yeah. They only know their one particular field. So once you have the general amount of knowledge, you're yeah. pretty much at the same level as a PhD physicist, which is what we pretty much have. Oh, I see. Cause you, you, so your argument is that you're not an amateur um, at – so, so in, in, in PhD grad school, you get so specialized in something that you're not considered – um, an amateur in that specific thing, but you're an amateur in everything else. Exactly. And since everybody else is in the same amateur level – then you're a professional by, by that definition. Wait, you're professional. Oh, so you're, since you're all on the same level, you're not an amateur. That's what you're yeah. saying. You're all on the same level at a general physics level. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. So I guess that's fair. I guess for me, I'm always like, man, I'm not, you know, I'm not an actual physicist until you get the PhD. <laughs> Excuse me. But I'd say that's kind of you putting that PhD on a pedestal. Yeah, yeah, you know, I guess so. I of guess course, so. I could sound like I'm sour grapes because I don't have the PhD. But. <laughs> well, no, but but it's like, yeah, I mean, neither do I. But I, I, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's like, when is it official? But but then again, yeah, maybe it's like amateur astronomers. Like that's why they call them amateur astronomers. I'm like, well, you're an astronomer because you're going out there and doing the same thing that astronomers do. Period. Right. Well, amateur astronomers don't necessarily have to have the degree, or they don't have to even have the training. Right. But, so but you're you, still but you're still an astronomer. Right? Well, I think it's a little bit different because I think if you're an amateur astronomer, mm. um, it's mostly saying that you the, – the distinction there means that you do not have access to the particular facilities that an astronomer gets to have. Oh, I see. Yeah, like you can't use their giant observatories that can do leading-edge astronomy physics. Okay. Um, so I think that's a little bit of a different distinction. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. Oh, okay, I see. I think these things can be cut up many different ways. It ah. just depends on how you're how you're talking. Yeah, yeah. Because for me, it's like, but 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 in general physics, you really just need a pen and a pen and paper, right? Yeah. So you're like, there's really no cutoff. You're pretty much a physicist, like. Yeah. Because yeah. you because you, you, you have know, all the tools. Yeah, because you studied it. You you know you 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 have a you have a degree that says yeah you are a physicist. Mm-hmm. You know. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm calling myself a physicist. Oh yeah, 100. <laughs> percent Okay, yeah, you're right. You sold me. I'm sold. You're right. Good. I'm a physicist. Um, yeah, anyway. anyway, speaking speaking of <laughs> physicists, uh, Sean Carroll, who I ran into like a couple years ago. No shit. At a yeah, at a meeting. It was an APS meeting, I think. Nice. And, you shake uh, his hand. Yeah, but I, I forgot his name. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say, "Hey, bro"? No, I was like, "Hey, man." Um, but I had I had already read. Uh, I think I, I read one of his books. I think it was. Uh, oh God, I'm like blanking on his on his on his first book. Um, maybe it was. Maybe I'm confusing him. Maybe I think I confused him with Brian Green. I problem. can see that. Um, not because they they, don't, they look nothing alike, but uh, but there's like because- a few like thirty year old. Public, public physicists that are doing. I mean, Brian Greene does like, I think so. Diff, not he doesn't do astrophysics. I think he does but, string theory. Yeah, yeah. But but there are a few of those guys out there speaking publicly like that, and yeah, I, I may have confused them at that moment. So I was like, but I knew I knew who he was. Yeah, and I was like, oh wow, this is uh, and I, I blanked on his name. You know, it's like oh, uh, I was like, <laughs> hey, I'm a huge fan because like I had seen some of like uh, him in. Uh, parts of him doing interviews i think at that point he was he was kind of like doing like joe rogan i used Did to he do joe to rogan it. back then i think so because rogan started you know everybody everybody who's been listening to rogan for since he started he, he started with comedians doing like um what was it he was doing commercials for flesh like sex toys and stuff <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah having his comedian friends on like super vulgar stuff then then yeah. he conspiracy level like very low level low brow well, he was in it hard and conspiracy. he was he it was very low level low brow kind of stuff yeah yeah and then uh but it was to me it was entertaining at the time because I, I it was just like oh these these are just like knuckleheads like oh, trying sure. to trying to figure it out and and then he started having like actual scientists on right right and uh i think sean carroll at the time he was he was a public figure and, and so i guess he had him on but that's probably one of the places that I was familiar with him uh, with. That's definitely the first time I, I saw him. Yeah? Yeah, Sean okay. Carroll. Because back then, too, Sean Carroll, at least in my my uh, scope sphere of yeah, seeing yeah. physicists, yeah. Um, he was not as big as, like, uh, Brian Cox or Brian Green yeah, or yeah, yeah. even, like, Michio Kaku or anybody. You know, so I, I came on to him late. But then when I saw him on Joe Rogan, I was like, oh, man, I really like this guy. He yeah. actually is very understandable. Yeah. And I don't know if that has to do with, like, <laughs> him being an American physicist. Yeah. yeah he he kind of flew under the radar. I guess that was yeah. probably – that might have been what gave him so much influence. Probably. Because I'm pretty sure – I'm not 100%, but I think yeah. he started his Mindscapes podcast after doing the Joe Rogan show. Makes so I sense. think his popularity got so much yeah. where people started demanding him to do yeah. it. And he has a great podcast. He has like really. Have you take? Have you take? Have you had the chance to listen to a couple episodes or no? I think I've listened to two. Yeah, I probably listened yeah. to a handful of episodes. I wish he would get video. Oh, I, yeah, I know you're you're, you're, you're a audio listener. Yeah, yeah. But for me, I'm very much a like visual, visual and I audio. I like oh, both. Okay. I need to have both. 
Yeah, I, I just, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you for the people that want to watch, like, um, him interact with, like, just, just, like, have a sort of table discussion kind of yeah. type dialogue. Because he had, like, Leonard Susskind on there. I'm like, I want to see this Dude, fucking yes. guy. <laughs> that was a great episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they were both kind of hashing it out, and Leonard Susskind is much older than he is. Yeah, so he knows, like, all that shit. And he was history. kind of shitting on him a little bit, I, I felt, in some was parts. He? I don't know if you caught that. I, like, I saw it long ago, so I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, yeah. But I remember hearing bits of it where it was like, he was kind of like, oh, that's like, you know, that's like a, like, because he, he, cause Sean, I guess, had certain, what would you say? Um, he had certain inclinations for certain theories. And okay, uh, Susskind didn't necessarily believe them. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, okay, like he's in many worlds, like, basically he's the proponent for many worlds he's a true believer in in many worlds uh you know if you're a physicist that there's many names to this too everettian he calls himself uh that kind of thing and uh and yeah and i think suskin was kind of like i'm not i'm not married to these ideas yet you know (laughs) Um, yeah 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 i get the impression from a lot of physicists though um but that also makes sense because I think Leonard Susskind is more the traditional type of physicist. Yeah. And um, you know how this is one of the things that Sean Carroll talks about is that, you know, physicists don't really like to analyze a lot of times with quantum mechanics, at least uh-huh. like how, like why, why it is the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. And this fall, because this kind of falls into philosophy territory. Yeah. <clears throat> so I imagine Susskind probably doesn't even want to go there because he knows that Copenhagen is the kind of interpretation that we use it works yeah and i think he's probably hesitant to talk about many worlds in some kind of definitive way unlike sean carroll um because i don't think he's really as interested in pursuing the philosophy aspects of quantum mechanics yeah which made this conversation that he had we've been having this conversation yeah you know and and i guess it's sort of trickling up because yeah. like professors like him i i think are stri- are starting to see students try to piece a bigger picture together. Right. Because before a lot of physicists, they, they were trained, well, they train a lot of physicists to just shut up and calculate the, the von Neumann. Uh, right. The, the classic phrase, shut up and calculate. Yeah, yeah. And I know both of us have been bothered by that. Oh, hell yeah. Phrase like, and you know what? <laughs> I was actually thinking about this. This is this is very much a TEI versus TE issue. Is it? And go, yeah, going back to MBTI. Okay. So I know some of the people who watch us, yeah, um, yeah. Just, just for people who may not be familiar i'm i'm very much a like an M- a myers-briggs type indicator connoisseur uh, yeah like hobbyist connoisseur okay, okay and there are two dimensions in it's a personality typing system and basically long story short you can be a thinker or a feeler and if you're a thinker there's a subtypes two subtypes of feelers which is extroverted thinking and introverted thinking and basically to sum it up mm-hmm. An introverted thinker kind of cares about the why a lot of times. And the extroverted thinkers just want to know how it's done or just want to know how to use it. It's hard to explain. It's like um, how to... How to apply it. Yeah, like how that applies and like how this going to be useful in real life. Yeah. It's an objective function. Since it's extroverted, object, uh, objective functions are extroverted and yeah. introspective functions are subjective. So it's kind of like it's you're concerned about the introspective subject if you're mm-hmm. introspecting you're concerned about the extroverted uh 
outside world sure if it's you know objective um so yeah i think i think physics can go both ways t-e-n-t-i which is extroverted thinking introverted thinking but i think um predominantly it's going to be an extroverted thinking kind of area and i think quantum mechanics is steeped in the extroverted thinking um era i want to say right now yeah and it's kind of interesting because i've noticed that there's i think there's like cycles i don't really know for sure but if you think about it newton was kind of the extroverted thinking of science that's how it started so he would you say would you say extroverted thinking? Yeah, I would say how it do was. You, how do you develop mathematics to that level? Because you have to ask yourself why a lot of the time. Yeah. To build that. Those yeah, tools, maybe right? maybe there's a combination of the two. Yeah. But I think mostly it's extroverted in the in thinking in the sense that he kind of just took F equals M A as some kind of assumption, and then he kind of let the ball roll by itself by just doing the mathematics and creating the mathematics that kind of showed where it led to. Einstein was the introverted thinker in the yeah. sense that once you hit that roadblock, it's kind of like you had to come up with some kind of new yeah, framework yeah, yeah, of yeah. analyzing. Yeah. And then that was the introverted thinking part. And Einstein, his biggest power was his introverted thinking. So he yeah. came and surpassed these boundaries by thinking about these little Gedanken experiments, which kind of took him over the limit. Yeah. And I think quantum mechanics is very much an extroverted thinking thing as well, because mm-hmm. Schrodinger just invented this random this equation that somehow worked yeah yeah yeah. and then he carried it out and all of these things somehow worked properly yeah and i think it very much is an extroverted thinking it's a very extroverted thinking um era i guess right now and i think what's going to break that is perhaps it could be the introverted thinking which is where sean carroll's trying to go where you have to start now looking at why it happened yeah so of course everything's a combination but um yeah. But you're saying right now it's been dominated. The sort of one side has been over, like if you look at it as scales, right? Yeah. One, The TE scale is, has the most weight right now. Yeah. I think it's very much in TE mode right now. Yeah. Um, I think you may be right. I think, I think at least a lot of the dominant thinking is that way. Yeah. Because I think most of the field is inundated with let's get you up to the technical prowess that we need you to be at in terms of mathematics so that you can be on the same playing field as everyone else. Yeah. But all the con- all, all the actual physics and, and, and concepts are kind of, you're kind of left to, um, they don't really spell it out for you. It, didn't you like, they really spell it out or they, they don't? They really don't spell it out for you in the sense that like, I had to have a whole course at the end of my undergraduate where professors would have like a sort of seminar style class to make sure that we all understood that the physics and we didn't have any kookery going on. You know what I'm saying? I think I mentioned this to you, but maybe um, I don't remember like they, you know, so you don't walk out in the class believing any woo type of thing. Like, I don't know. They can stop that because it still happens. No, sure. But you, you don't, you don't have these misconceptions of like, um, uh, particle is both a wave and, uh, I mean, uh, uh, you know, quantum mechanics is like a particle is both. Well, you have the duality, the particle and the wave yeah. kind of thing. Um, you know, they made sure that we understood that there are boundary conditions that make it such that, you know, experimental conditions that make it such that, you know, you see certain behaviors, you see wave behaviors. Mm-hmm. They, they try to reiterate to you like or reframe it so that it's more cohesive. Okay. Because they understand that the whole undergraduate thing is just like you're barreling through yeah. courses. Yeah. And a lot of the concepts might not stick. So, 
Well, I think this is also goes back to why Sean Carroll's pursuit is kind of important yeah. because I don't think you can really undo all the woo if you don't actually know what the hell is happening. Right. I think you can kind of always step around it. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, mathematically and kind of only make very um very objective claims. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the wrong word, but very um testable claims. Yeah, yeah. But anything beyond that you really can't talk that much about like i've had so many misconceptions in quantum mechanics even after taking three semesters worth of quantum um just because when i've tried to think about it in some intuitive way all the pop sci things i've watched and all the things ah. that i've tried to look or try to ascribe some interpretation myself wind up being turned on his head yeah because it means i'm either analyzing it wrong or you know it just doesn't work like that. Yeah, because a lot of the pop size stuff suffers from not using the mathematics. Yeah. And, and like, you know, because if, if the mathematics tells you one thing, it's hard to, it's hard to relay that to words sometimes because it's like none of this mathematics is real, right? It's all the an abstraction, right? I don't know if I'd call it not real. I'll hesitate to say that because that's almost a whole nother philosophy debate in itself. <laughs> it is, it is, but it is. It's like, just because the math is doing something, it doesn't necessarily tell you what is actually happening exactly. in the system. Exactly, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Like we can represent, like for instance, with engineering, um, you can do things like impedances, mm -hmm. which is like another form of resistance. So if you remember circuits back in the day, let's say if you took an intro physics class, um, there's a, a wire, copper wire, wires have current that pass through, and then those wires have a certain resistance, which is basically how how much current can pass through that wire. And there's actually even a component in electronics called a resistor. So you can have different resistors, which allow different amounts of current to come through. Mm -hmm. So in engineering, there's um, these things called impedances that use imaginary numbers to quantify those resistances. So, and it's a real thing, but it's like, to what extent is, does the mathematics in that match reality? Oh, I don't I really know because you're using yeah, imaginary numbers, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? But there is information that you can get out of those imaginary numbers. Right, right. So it's, so it's, it's very hard to talk about what's real and what's not real mathematically, yeah. I think. Because the analog in quantum mechanics is like almost all of the things that we deal with have a lot of imaginary stuff in them already. Yeah. And we get rid of those imaginary things by right. doing specific <laughs> things like taking the, what is it? The like the square of the wave function exactly yeah, yeah. to yeah. get rid of them so yeah is that physical does that actually have when, when we collapse the wave function the you know yeah. when we measure something does that us normalizing the wave right function? you know what i mean like what it's is because that? the thing is you could see it's like almost like you're peering behind the veil is like what we say yeah you could see all the mathematics behind it and you see like these imaginary terms and things and then eventually in real life, though, when you measure something, you only see the real parts of those measurements. Yeah. So you can see all this imaginary crap and the mathematics all works and it makes sense. But then in real life, you're just getting that real part and that's all you see. So it's like yeah. you really don't know. It, it's hard to say what's real, but the thing is yeah, those, exactly. th that math is necessary for it to work. Yeah. If you don't have that stuff, then it doesn't work. Yeah. So back in the day, funny enough, a lot of physicists were having the same conversations we were having. They were debating extensively. And I think in some of, a little bit of our history of quantum mechanics or what is quantum mechanics video yeah. um, kind of details some of this. But 
Uh, Sean Carroll actually brought up some of this, and uh, I don't know if I mentioned the quote in this video that we did, um, no, but what? there was a funny quote by, I think, Einstein and Bohr were debating, you know, they were debating quantum mechanics, and yeah. Einstein said, so when you look up, uh, so you're telling me that the moon doesn't exist unless un until I look at it? Is that what you're right, talking about? Like, right. He was like, dude, this is absurd. Like, Yeah. And, um, but because, you know, like, like Sean Carroll is saying, he believes the world is, um, you know, we have infinite branches of, well, not, well, he doesn't say infinite, but practically does, infinite. Well, practically infinite, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, sort of uncountable. Um, well, he doesn't even make the claim if it's uncountable. Okay. He suspects, I think, that it's uncountable, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I don't he, even know if he made that claim. Right, very true. Yeah, because uh, it could very well indeed be finite, because it's yeah. like, for me, that was my thing. Like, I'm like, how could you be... My problem with many worlds theory is that, mm -hmm. I th and I think I relay this all the time, but it's like, where do you get, where do you get, where does the universe get all this like energy from? Like, if we consider the energy as a uh, the universe is a closed system, right? Like, how yeah. do you how do you reconcile the fact that? That's exactly what I was kind of thinking too. Why my intuition feels like many worlds is wrong. Yeah, but of course. Our this is one can... thing to always know about physics. Your intuition can always be wrong. Right, Don't right. ever think that you're right. Yeah, but yeah. my cocky intuition right now is thinking like, really, we got to have a universe for every choice that happens. Like, it seems so energy inefficient. Exactly. And it just, to me, from all the patterns I've seen in the universe, it's like the universe likes the simplest, most energy efficient yeah. answers, at least. Yeah. And to have a new reality every single time. Maybe we should explain a little bit what many worlds are saying. So, yeah. What happens is basically in many worlds, let's say it's it's as simple as just like having a choice. So if you have a particle that has two two states, two different states, let's say, um, can we make it even simpler? Let's just say we have a choice A and a choice B. If we choose, let's say, though, that choice A and B gets collapsed or it falls into one choice once we've... Um, Interacted with this. Interacted with something, all right? Yeah, yeah, So let's call the interaction a button. So we push yeah. a button and we get either A or B. We don't know which one's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, So what happens is when we push this button, A comes out. Now, in many worlds, what's happening, it's saying that just because we see A in this, um, timeline. In this timeline mm -hmm. or in this universe, you could say, that doesn't mean that that's the only choice that happened. It means that once you push that button... A and B both happen, but once that it happens, A splits into a certain universe, the one that we're existing in now, and B splits into a completely different, mm -hmm. you know, branch branch of the universe where you cannot ever see, you cannot ever exist in that universe again. So once you've left, once you've made that choice, you now have broken into two different universes. Yeah. And this happens you know, an insane number of times. You know? Yeah, because you can imagine the fractal nature of this, yeah. right? It just like spreads and out. And just gets more and more and more. Practically infinite, yeah. in my opinion. But um, of course, like, to me, it's like, I can't really rule that out because just the fact of all this, all these patterns in the universe that already exist, like, are, who's to say that we're not an infinite thing already? Like, why can't that make sense? It could make sense. It, it could, but I'm like, like I, like, you were saying and studying this and I see the same thing. Why would the universe typically follows a, like a path of least action? Yeah. And energy is minimized a lot of the time and, and it doesn't, 
doesn't make sense. But like we were saying, it's sense yeah. sense is kind of your your own intuitive sense doesn't a lot of the time is leads you astray because your sense of scale right is, is but then fun. here's another thing one i was thinking also maybe it does make sense because the fact that you're pushing this button right it's kind of already saying that this it's almost like the universe is deterministic already then yeah it means that it could be that these branches have already always existed yeah but it's the fact that you're just traveling through it in a certain amount of t- in a certain time but this has already existed mm-hmm. let's say now until the end of time so these branches have already existed and it's yeah. not really energy efficient because hmm. they've already existed. It's yeah, just all yeah. the choices have already been made. It's just that we're just going through the arrow of time. Ah, you I know, see. That's a good, that's a good rebuttal. In our framework. That's a good rebuttal because yeah. uh, you're saying all the energy has been accounted for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's a, that's a good point. That, that could also be the case. Um, but you would need to make the case that this actually also, I could see... Man, I could see another case for many worlds being that <laughs> this kind of goes against my own inclination, but uh, yeah. that you're increasing entropy because, you know, like well, entropy the, disorder, is the disorder of the, um, you're kind of increasing the disorder of the universe because like it makes more sense for us to think for things to coalesce into one thing as opposed to well entropy does increase it's supposed to increase i know but that's what i'm saying but my intuition about this whole thing is like i imagine events coalescing into one thing but i'm saying in in with like taking into consideration like that in nature things are are left you know to evolve in time things naturally are inclined to states of randomness Right. Hmm. I gotta think about this. Things are naturally inclined to states of randomness. You mean things tend to disorders? What you're yes. saying? Yes. Okay. So this is the concept of entropy. Yeah. 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 Um. So it would make more sense in many worlds for it to be a branch as opposed to coalescing. Well, many worlds into, is a branch. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like that lends more credence. Oh, so to you're them. giving more credence to the yeah, many yeah. worlds. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, that's okay. what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm kind of like. Okay. You're. You're arguing now on the same side. <laughs> well, I see that's a, that's a point in yeah. their, you know, on the Sean on, on their side. board. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because I'm inclined, my human sort of brain wants everything to coalesce or order into one yeah. outcome. Yeah. It's simple. It's easier for us to hold on to. Yes. We um, hate divergent <laughs> anything, right? We love convergence over divergence. Yes. Yeah. yeah we I do, think yeah. naturally that's what most humans would prefer. Yeah, and uh, and that may may very well be working against us because I I'm inclined to say, well, you know, you know, it coalesces and it should coalesce into one thing, but it might very well not. It might very well be like, yeah, branch. It's just right. like things are branching out because you're increasing the sort of entropy of the universe in a way, mm-hmm. um, or the meta universe. If you if if there are indeed multiple universes like that that come out of this. Yeah. I'm still hesitant. Yeah. <laughs> to of course. It. I'd like to look into it more though, because this is something that I feel like, um, like Sean Carroll said, we just don't really talk that much about. Yeah. And like, we kind of treat the Copenhagen interpretation as the interpretation. Well, because it works. Yeah. Well, because it's like, what's it's kind of just like the, the most hands offy kind of approach we can use 
to just do what we need to do and then yeah. kind of get the fuck out of here. What's you know? testable in many worlds? Nothing yet, I don't think. That's the thing. Yeah, That's there, the problem. There are very few mathematicians, I think, like um, maybe uh, Penrose, I think is one of the few people that have proposed certain things. Like we should see certain signatures. And there's a great lecture that you guys can check out. And I think you've seen it too. You, you sent me something about it. On Penrose? Yeah, a while back. But it was mm. this was like a, probably a year more more. Yeah, ago. I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> he gave a lecture where he was talking about uh, you can see signatures of universes if uh or what he proposes you would see certain things out in space if indeed there are um many how worlds? would you say no not many worlds but previous uh iterations of our universe like his theory is that his working theory is that uh the universe goes on a singular timeline and we could we could effectively look back in time and see remnants of our old universe but I'm saying you could probably use some of this foundation to kind of figure out if there is multiple universes. Sort of. That's a little bit tough to me because I'm thinking that with a with a with a many worlds interpretation like mm -hmm. like the Everettian approach, it could be different in the sense that it's not really the same kind of quote unquote universe. It's almost like how we think of in sci-fi with the concept of alternate dimensions. Oh, space they're not spatial. Yeah, saying. like there's some like it could be a perpendicular to our time axis or something. Okay. And like imagine if we imagine if we lived in a Hilbert space of time. You know what I'm right, saying? Like right. it could and be for, just for people that don't understand Hilbert yeah, spaces give, give some clarity there one. Just uh sort of the the classical imagina uh, imagination, yeah, or imagining of this is like yeah. a hotel with <laughs> Have you heard about this? The no. hotel with uh Oh, I don't need to get into that. So let's just say okay. this. Hilbert space is like uh, a fancy space uh, where we say that it's practically infinite. Yeah. So just yeah. think of it like this. If you remember in algebra class, we've got the Cartesian coordinate grid. We've got mm -hmm. y-axis. We've got x-axis. Yeah. In Hilbert space, you have n number of axes, basically. So you can have an n-dimensional space, essentially. Yeah. So instead of a Y and an X or sometimes a Z, like you see, you could have a Y, X, A, B, C, D, so on and so forth. Yeah. And you, something that you cannot even visualize. A lot it's of just, time, no. Yeah. Well, you can because we can't visualize anything past three dimensions. Well, if you... I know certain mathematicians might be challenged no. to do this. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I highly doubt anyone could ever imagine this. So, it's um, impossible. The other thing uh, is you can sort of imagine... Uh, uh, um, Dang, what would you say? Because we deal with them in matrix matrices, and ma if you, you know, it's not like the movie Matrix, but <laughs> it's uh, there are points in space that are assigned coordinates, and you. This goes back to what Terence was saying. Like you can think of like the same coordinates you learned in algebra, but imagine like you're mapping points in space, meaning in in your reality in in your three D space. Like imagine you're you're allocating points to each point in your space. You can effectively represent that mathematically through a matrix. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is like you can have a row saying this is where this point is. You can have another row saying where this, or yeah. You can have another yeah. one saying where this point is, blah, blah, blah. And a matrix is almost like imagine connect Combination four. Combination of all of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it looks oh, like yeah. connect four with numbers instead of chips. Right. <laughs> Locating wherever you, you want to, what information you're trying to get in map, yeah. whatever. That's like the basic rundown of it. It's a little bit 
but that that's kind of what a Hilbert space is. It just says that you have an infinite number of these that you can cat yeah. that you can fit information. In. And yeah, there are but, certain rules allowed. Blah blah blah. And, right. But yeah. barring all the details, it's just basically imagine a time like we have the three dimensions of space. You yeah. know, up, down, left, right, yeah, side, yeah. side, whatever. Um, and then we always say like end time as dimension. Yeah. But imagine if there were two dimensions of time. What does that even look like? What, how does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, so <laughs> this is where it could be. This is why I'm a little bit hesitant on the on the Penrose thing that you're saying. I don't even know exactly the details of it, but I imagine that this Everettian approach is different than the normal conception of what we think of as spatial uh, dimensions. Yeah, yeah. So probably. Yeah, you're you're probably yeah. right. I. Yeah, that's that's kind of the issue. There's there's a meme of uh, Carl Sagan out there. Yeah, where he says that's a nice theory. It'd be a shame if someone tested it. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, that's kind of uh, where a lot of physicists now physics physics is nowadays, where you have these concepts that are trying to reconcile with quantum mechanics because we still haven't married quantum mechanics and and uh, relativity. Right. And uh, a lot of people think. Well, I thought they did quantum mechanics with relativity. Um, oh, with special relativity. Yeah, we yeah need, but we need general relativity. We need general relativity. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or gravity. Uh, some some yeah. people want to say so. It's and some people's inclinations are just because quantum mechanics is so kooky. Some people's inclination is to go to quantum mechanics, but a lot of people are like, no, it's well tested. In fact, Bell's Bell's experiment. This you can look at. Um, Sort of, you can Google Bell's inequality if you want to learn more about this. But um, we also talked about it a little bit in yeah, one of yeah, our we videos. Did. And it's 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 all all the point, all the fucking. I'm sorry to cuss, but all the fingers are pointing to um, general relativity being something. There's something wrong with that. Not necessarily quantum really? mechanics. Yeah, like me on that because I think. With what we've found so far is like Einstein's been right on everything in jail. He has, he has. All his things have been having multiple experiments and confirmation over yeah. the past, even like the past few couple of years, you know? He has, but the thing is like, we're kind of at a standstill because all experiments of quantum mechanics are showing us that, no, this is indeed like the universe is non-local, sort, sort of like effectively saying, well, GR, we don't have the whole picture with GR. How do we not though? Just because we have um, the infinities when it comes to the equations, I think, like in a black hole and whatnot. I mean that may be that may be a part of it, um, but also because entanglement is such a unique property in quantum mechanics that can't be that if effectively shits on general relativity because it violates causality for some. It doesn't system. though. Like in certain, uh, yeah, it doesn't. I think it doesn't. I think, I think uh, certain interpretation, like not interpretations, but certain uh, mind, what are the Duncan experiments or mind, um, what would you say? Thought experiments? Thought experiments, yeah. yeah. They they actually say, well, no, because information isn't... Uh, yeah, you can clearly no. see that you cannot transfer information faster than the speed of light. So it doesn't right. violate anything in, relative, in uh, True. relativity. True. At least in signal, there's no signal being transmitted. Yeah. But effectively, there is still some preservation of information there that's happening. There isn't. You will never know. I mean, you would know. You wouldn't know. But there is a certain connection there between two that are. Two, There's a connection. Two spatially 
uh, distant objects are still, um, how do you Connected? say? Connected? Yeah. But that does not violate relativity because it's like you said, you were saying earlier, mm-hmm. it has to violate causality. Yeah. And the thing is, relativity is 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 formulated in such a way where you're not yeah. violating causality. Yeah. That does not violate causality because no. there is no... There is no information that you can gain from entangled systems. Very true. I so agree. it doesn't it doesn't have any clash there. I agree, but I think fun maybe it's like the the fact that GR makes maybe it doesn't need to say anything about the entanglement thing. But Yeah, I think the the issue is just the fact that for some reason the math just doesn't work because maybe I think it has I think the root is gravity. Because we still don't really know what the hell is going on with gravity. Yeah. Just because, I mean, you know, I don't think we understand how gravity works that well. So I think that's where the main breakdown is. Yeah, but people are going to... But that's, this is what I'm trying to say. I, I guess just to bring it back. Um, quantum mechanics, people are pointing the finger at quantum mechanics just being like, we still don't understand this. And I, I, think, I think it makes sense to look at quantum mechanics and be like, okay, we need to... We need to really understand philosophically what's going on here. Yeah, yeah like there is, uh, we know how to use it, but, you know, it, it's the analog that people say, like, you know, be, most people don't know how a car works. Right. But we still know how to use it. We get by, like, using it. But Right. Um, and that's how we do with quantum mechanics, and it's... it's. Uh, yeah, we need to start taking a more Einsteinian approach. And yeah. you know what the interesting thing is, when we start, when, we were, when Einstein was alive during quantum mm-hmm. mechanics... He was the reason why all these big, you know, experiments and holes were being shine uh, had a light shown on yeah, them in the yeah, first yeah. place. Yeah. So maybe if we return to that approach, we could have more of these spotlights on I these see. weird issues. So you're saying if we had more skeptics, like yeah, okay, but that's the issue. You can't be a skeptic and be a nobody. Yeah, it's true. You gotta. Well, you have- can if you're if you have a worthwhile skepticism that makes sense to the wider audience that's analyzing it at that level. But you'd have to be a public figure. In no, you sense. don't. Because imagine you this. Don't. If you just wrote a paper on some some particular aspect about uh-huh. quantum mechanics uh-huh. and it was written in the language of physicists and you gave it to the right people, I mean, it's clear as day if it makes sense. Yes. Yes. I. I okay, yeah. But there is some politics, though. Like Sean was saying, it was... He ran into issues in his department because he wanted to investigate this. And he had to go over to the philosophy department just to talk about some of the things he wanted to discuss. Right. Well, I think the the politics part is the fact that no one wants to be paying your ass to sit around as like a philosopher. (laughs) Unless you're in the philosophy department, right? I guess In physics, it's all about results, about research, about getting grants, about funding, all that stuff. So you can't really get funding by twiddling your thumbs thinking about the nature of the un- of, of quantum mechanics, right? <laughs> well, we think about the nature of reality, but you know, even theoret- theoretical physicists are trying to do things to devise experiments to prove some part of some theory or something. Right, right, right. Well, the thing is, let me make sure I didn't move that camera. No, nah, yeah, yeah I don't think you did. But the thing is, with like physics nowadays, I think is mostly modeling, model based. Like we try to model systems or model physical systems as opposed to like really understanding the physical underpinnings of... Yeah, I think you're right. Um, well, we, we try to say that the math will will reveal to us the physics. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's definitely a lot of like model fitting and model building and such. Yeah. 
And There's then, a lot of different. But then when we're ways. done with the model, when we're done building the model, we're like, this is the physics. Yeah. 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 So. But like you know, when you're in an impasse like we are today, or in, in this in our generation, we have to think like Einstein. We have to be skeptical a little bit, kind of probe the foundations. Yeah. Of our understanding and basically yeah, th- go back think, to the drawing. I board. think it's a return. I think a big light is going to be shown when we have more of an Einsteinian approach. Mm. I'm thinking that's what my intuition is kind of yeah. saying with things like quantum mechanics. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I mean, always I think another thing that could could happen is just the fact that if we get to some technological limit, that might even help. But yeah. it just might be slower. Because yeah. like I'm, I was always thinking about like what would happen if Einstein didn't exist would we still understand relativity at some level? And then I was thinking, oh yeah, but we would like eventually if we got to a point where we're trying to build GPS, yeah, like we would have realized that there's a discrepancy between the satellites and then on ground their time signals. And we'd say, yeah. what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and then when you actually start messing around with the equations, you'll see, oh, these are actually at two different times. Yeah, and then you yeah, can yeah. think about that. So I think if we push the technology enough, we might get there. I think it's just right. it might be a slower process. And I think that's what's happening. I think he mentioned this too, Sean mentioned this. Uh, he said, we're kind of, us trying to develop quantum computing yeah. has made us question the foundations because we realize, mm. well, there are certain things that we're not allowed to do and there's certain things that we are allowed to do. And, uh, and then us probing the quantum world in a way that we're trying to get outcomes from mm. it is testing our limitations of understanding. Right. And uh and yeah, I think I think it's going to be very interesting especially especially since I think the quantum mechanics that we've developed so far may not be n- enough to to get quantum computing to where we want it to be. Yeah, actually did you hear recently about Google's announcement? Yeah, they yeah. announced with they Google. Ach- they've achieved quantum supremacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty interesting. Um I don't so think they officially announced it. I think it was a leak. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think NASA had their website and then they took it down or something. You know what that means? What? I'm asking you. Do you know oh, what yeah, I do. What does that mean? So quantum supremacy is the limit that you reach when you have essentially proven that your quantum computer can outperform a classical computer at some certain task. Okay. And thus far, every single thing that we've done with quantum computers has had a classical analog that could be done in just um, as the at the same amount of time, mm-hmm. you know, or not as good. So this is the first time, apparently, from this leaked document. I haven't seen it. Um, the claim is that this quantum algorithm has performed some task Mm-hmm. That takes about 200 seconds, whereas a classical analog, a classical computer would take about 10,000 years to solve Jeez. the problem. So that would be a true instance of quantum supremacy if that's actually a legitimate thing. Except, of course, this is a leak, and I don't think it's been confirmed yet. Um, it, well, I think it was leaked, leaked by legitimate sources, and I think it was on NASA's website for some time, so it seems real. But we'll have to see what the full story is in the future. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of scary because uh, you know, quantum supremacy means that you can, if your engineers are really good, you can mm-hmm. break encryption. If yeah, if, 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 if they can do good. the Shor's algorithm, if they're good, if they know how to like use the code, if they know how to program well and 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 like program well enough already using this quantum 
Uh, well, the program computer. I don't think is the hard part. I think it's the, just the matter of building the quantum computer. You think so? Yeah, because the quantum computer is the hard part, right? Because you have to have enough coherent states and enough qubits to be able to do some kind of large prime factorization. Mm. The easy part has already been the 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 code is everything has already been made. Like Peter Shore has already laid the foundation of how to do this oh, prime okay. factorization. Everything. Yeah, yeah. Like that all is solid. The quantum gates and everything are all all established. Yeah, yeah. The hard part is just actually achieving the computer itself. Oh, I see. And remain and maintaining that um, coherence time, which is yeah. basically how stable a qubit is going to be in that yeah. system. Yeah, yeah. Damn. So, so we're saying a lot of jargon. In this okay. <laughs> yeah, I think we might have. So, uh, but anyway, if it, there's a lot going on in quantum mechanics, yeah. and it's um, it kind of ins like Sean. You know, appearing on this one made us reflect a lot about, um, you know, just where quantum mechanics is. There are, we may not have time to like, we'll maybe, maybe some time. Maybe we do, yeah, maybe we do. Um, well, there, there's, um, he started talking about interpretations of quantum mechanics. Yeah. A, br briefly. And, uh, what do you mean like many worlds versus Copenhagen? Many worlds versus Copenhagen. And we kind of like got into that a little bit, but, um, there are other competing theories. I think you mentioned GRW. What uh, is that? Won't get into the acronym because I don't know how to pronounce their names. Okay. But, uh, you can Google these if you want to know more. Uh, GRW, there's, uh, the Bayesian approach. Okay. Um, there's actually a lot of interpretations. I was Wikipediaing, and there was like eight or nine. I was like, damn, I didn't realize. So. Yeah, yeah, and they're all very like I said. The some of them have problems. Like for the most famous one is the Bohmian mm. mechanics interpretation. Which are you familiar with? It? I looked at it on Wiki, and actually, I wanted to interrupt real quick because mm -hmm. I took a poll on Twitter. Yeah, maybe uh, you could pull it up. One, I took yeah. a poll on Twitter. Of the quantum in, uh, of the interpretations that people were interested in, and I got like five votes, and one of them on there had like two votes, and I was like, "Oh, actually, um, I guess people have heard of this interpretation. Maybe we should read it on Wiki, Wiki just to see what it is. Um, if you can okay. tell me what it is. Uh, so the poll, just go to the um, you know, my tweets. Yeah, yeah. So the so the poll has many worlds and ensemble interpretation. Um. At about pretty much the same. And What's the percentage? Uh, 40%. Yeah, so ensemble um, interpretation, I guess, is something that people are, are like. Yeah, well, it's, it's, I'm familiar, I'm, I am kind of familiar with this interpretation. Are you really? Um, so, let's read it. If I remember correctly, the ensemble interpretation has the, how would I you have say? it right here. It's like an interaction between like the macro system and the micro system. If I remember correctly, it's or maybe I'm mixing two theories together. Go ahead. Me, I, I just want to make sure that it's the right one. So it says the ensemble interpretation of quantum mechanics considers the quantum state description to apply only to an ensemble similarly prepared systems. Uh, ensemble of similarly prepared systems. Rather than supposing that it exhaustively represents an individual physical system, the advocates of the ensemble interpretation of quantum mechanics claim that it is minimalist, making the fewest physical assumptions about the meaning of the standard mechanical mathematical formulism. 
He proposes to take to the fullest extent the statistical interpretation interpretation of Max Born, for which he won his Nobel Prize in Physics. For example, a new version of the ensemble interpretation that relies on a new formulation of probability theory was introduced by Ray Shia, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think... I didn't really get much from that. Did you understand? I think, yeah, I, I wrote an essay back in the day about uh, competing, interp- uh, competing interpretations. This is like maybe four years ago now, but... Yeah. Um, and I think, if I remember correctly, and if you're in the comment section and, and you know... Yeah. If I'm wrong about this, because uh, I think the ensemble interpretation is sort of the same as the decoherence interpretation, I okay. think. And what I mean by that is von Neumann actually had an approach uh, mathematically. And I think we kind of use this approach somewhat, I think, in statistical mechanics. Correct me if I'm wrong. But... Um, there what, was some approach that I saw that had something to do with statistical mechanics. Yeah, so because so, you, you have to think about the system as you the measure are you're an ensemble of particles you're a huge system of particles and yeah you have some emergent amount of like you have emerging physics right where when you it's like molecules coming together that okay. they create their own emerging physics but that becomes you're saying uh, the ensemble creates a classical system is that what you're saying or no yes okay. and there might be a critical point yeah where that becomes like it crosses a threshold between quantum and classical right right that's undefined to me but uh, as far as von Neumann's assumptions uh, that, that I think were made were that you look at the system as like, say, um, sort of like a, how would you say? If you look at images of a, uh, of a scanning tunneling microscope, mm-hmm. an STM, it has like a pyramidal tip. And yeah. at the tip you have like one atom of something to okay. like ideally right mm-hmm. and it scans over the surface of uh of another material right and um but that's sort of the image that von neumann had i think drawn mathematically in his head he was trying to in- see the system how it interacts and he's saying like how does this large classical thing interact with an atomic I mean, a, a quantum system, so to say. So the quantum system being the tip of the tunneling microscope and then the classical system being the giant material that it's scanning over? Uh, I would say the... Yes. Okay. And, and in, in the instance where... But let's say let's remove all the other atoms and let's just... We're looking at one. Okay. If we're looking at one atom with one electron, let's say the hydrogen, to be mm-hmm. simple... And you have this large large microscope, and it interacts with that uh, one atomic system. Okay, what happens? Like he 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 was he was asking okay. himself that, like what happens, right? Okay. Like so, you have to draw the mathematics for that, and like you you know. But how is that different, or what is that? What's the big picture behind that? So his thing that people started developing on was based off of decoherence, meaning like this interaction. The quantum system was in a coherent state, or the the electron, I guess, okay. in this picture, was in a coherent state, meaning it was undisturbed. Mm-hmm. And once it becomes disturbed, it collapses. Yeah. So sort of you ruin the equilibrium in the system because you're a big system of particles and you're ruining the potential in, in a sense. Like yeah. now if you look at the Hamiltonian, this is for this physics talk, but... 
Hamiltonian just means the total energy. The total energy, right? So your your total energy. Now you're introducing energy from you coming into the into the vicinity of this at in this electron. So this electron starts to feel you. So you mm -hmm. ruin its mm, perfect coherence. equilibrium. Yeah. So so that's kind of the picture that he. Okay, so the, this one has a focus on coherence, yeah. which probably was because of quantum computing, I would imagine, because that's one of the biggest factors of quantum computers. I think, or building I think them. people, I think people started the on. If this is the correct interpretation of the ensemble one, um, I think people started started approaching that interpretation much more seriously because. Mm. Because of this, because okay. the picture, because it has that practical application. Yeah, to it. and it makes okay. a lot more that. sense, right? Okay. Like yeah. you kind of have some intuition once you learn the quantum mechanics and how, you know, we use energy mm -hmm. as a picture of interaction and stuff like that. Right. Interesting. Yeah. We'll have to read up some more on the different interpretations. Maybe even make a whole video on it. Yeah, I mean that, that one deserves its own video. Yeah, it really does. Because there's a lot more than I expected. Oh hell yeah! I was yeah, like, yeah, damn. Yeah. Some of them are kind of brushed <laughs> off. Um, yeah. There are some that are. I just, think the one that you were just mentioning, the bow, the Bohmian, the Bohmian one. Yeah, yeah, Bohm, yeah. Bohmian mechanics is another favorite. That was a favorite for a while. That one deserves some video too. Because, but it, you're saying it got brushed off, or no? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I well, thought so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just mainly comes down to like us not being able to work the math out. Mm. Um, so it's just too complicated. We, you know, like you were saying, we don't like things that are divergent. Yeah. So we yeah. got a lot so of we're like, fuck that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't do what's called renormalization um, mm. in the picture, and it just, it just didn't, it, it didn't translate to a lot of the new ideas that we're developing. I see. So we, yeah, we kind of trashed it. Okay. But it was cool. It gave you a lot of the same results, mm. and in fact, there were some physicists. From I think MIT or some really great school like Max Planck Institute that kind of tried to draw like a classical analog, like they tried to build a Bohmian system, mm -hmm. and uh, they um, they have since been ruled out actually. Mm. So the, I I think people were saying that they were using junk science and okay, uh, <laughs> okay. So yeah, that that one's kind of been effectively thrown out the window. Um, I for see. Now. For now, I don't know. Might change once somebody comes and develops something more. But I actually yeah. got a question for you, Juan. Yeah, yeah. So, do you think that multiple interpretations of the same system is useful, or do you think we should always try to strive for one single interpretation of something? There shouldn't be room for interpretation. Mm. I think this is what if you. Uh, there's another episode with our friend Joe. That we did, mm -hmm. and he his main critique was of quantum of modern quantum mechanics is that it's it shouldn't be open to interpretation. Mm. He said there should be one, and I I'm inclined to agree. But uh, now my question is more along the lines of: Do you think we should develop multiple interpretations while it's still unknown, or do you think we should strive for a singular one? And if that one doesn't pan out, scrap it then develop another one well the thing is we've we have conversion to one but that's a copenhagen one right like i yeah it, we, it's we still should. Not, it's still up for the bait though kind of it's like it hasn't converged really yet i think effectively it's converged to that because it's useful but in terms of a physical underpinning of a lot of like the the real bigger metaphysical questions mm -hmm. that's why people go to like the other interpretations. I, yeah, I think, I think it's useful to have more than one interpretation, especially if you're just 
preoccupied with the engineering mm -hmm. aspect of it. Like I'm getting the results I want from this particular setup. Yeah. Then yeah, I think I think it's useful to have more than one interpretation for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? I think ultimately is useful to try to come up with as many interpretations as possible. Yeah. Because what what I think is it will eventually lead to a singular interpretation. And what gives me kind of um hope for that is yeah. we've seen it already with string theory. If you remember right. back in the days with string theory, there were like seven seven different ways to interpret string theory. Yeah. And people were all like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, Why yeah. are there seven different ways? And it was kind of like they were looking... The, the, the description of this, I think I heard from Michio Kaku, was you're looking at the tail, one person's looking at the ears, the other one's looking at the feet, uh, and it's kind of like, oh, the big picture is actually the elephant. Yeah. So that's when Edward Witten came along and he strung them all together. Ba-dum-tsh. <laughs> to make the overall arching M theory. Yeah. And then that kind of made it so, you know, everybody had a different interpretation of it, but they all kind of converge into one thing. Mm. So I think you should be looking for as many different interpretations as you can to something. And then I would hope that from all of those angles, you'll eventually get a piece of the puzzle that's really right part of the coherency of the entire yeah, picture i think yeah I, I i agree yeah it's it's um you definitely do you need that we need that yeah yeah, yeah we need that because uh yeah we need as much information i actually had an idea the other day oh what you got <laughs> so i was like man okay um i was feeling kind of creative i i was i was watching this experiment that we set up and you've probably seen this experiment in like class classic physics labs um, but it's, you have a strobe light and you match the frequency of a fan blade. That's one of my favorites. It's cool. It's, it's a cool experiment. You can, you could probably do this yourself at home. Um, color one of your fan blades and like have a strobe light or something, mm. uh, that measures the frequency. And what I mean by frequency is the frequency. Well, just how many times it spins per second. That, but how many times you, the light turns on and off. Okay. The frequency of the light. So yeah. the frequency of how fast the light is switching mm. on and off. So, <clears throat> so, uh, so in this experiment, they we ask the students to try to match the frequency of from the strobe light to the fan. Mm -hmm. Right. If you match the frequencies, what you should see is a the fan blade standing still. Because if you're matching it, it looks it looks stationary. Yeah. So standing thing. Now the reality of it is that it's still spinning, but it's stand. But it's it looks like it's standing still. Yeah. I this is why your camera phone has those weird trippy effects when you have moving or objects with some kind of frequency. Like yeah. if you look, if your camera matches up with the same yeah. frame rates, then it looks like you can see like a helicopter just frozen. It's blades that are frozen in air. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can look up YouTube videos about this, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's pretty much what I was thinking like, well, you know, that's kind of funny. Like, I wonder if there's a sort of quantum analog, right? Like in quantum mechanics, we treat things um, in an interesting way. <laughs> okay. Let's just say it that way, right? I'm not going to okay. get into too many details, but... Um, Let's say this is mainly for the physicists out here, but okay. <laughs> but um, let's say you're dealing with a with a quantum system, right? And let's say that it has 
you're trying to probe, let's say, a hydrogen atom with one electron or something, and uh, and the electrons in the the unperturbed s state, I mean s equals zero state, right? Where like possible values are one half plus minus one half. Okay, right? so its spin is zero. Yeah, totally. Okay. Right. So there's one electron kind of around its wave function is it's, it's sort of around the atom somewhere, you know. The wave function says that it's just it's in space know, it's, it's in space around the atom somewhere. Yeah. Uh now I was kind of thinking oh it'd be interesting to see if uh cuz you know there there are inherent probabilities built in to quantum mechanics. Now we say probabilities but Really, they're deterministic probabilities, meaning there are a certain set of values that we know that can be obtained. You know what I'm saying? Yes. They're only they're only a set of values. It's not like you can get any random number yeah. that you pull out of your ass. Like, yeah. It's like it has to be in the state, the overall state of the system. Yeah. So they're like like yeah. So pretty much a set of values, like like a sort of deck of cards, and you only have a certain number of cards that you know already. Yeah. So. <clears throat> So I was thinking, well, you know, part of quantum mechanics is like, you won't, you won't, I don't think you can, at least the formalism says, I don't think you can say with a hundred percent definitive, um, like definitively say, um, I'm always going to get this energy value. I'm always going to get this eigenvalue as they like to say, if I measure this, if I measure that hydrogen atom, okay. I'm going to get a certain probabilities. You are. So, yeah. Yeah. That's what modern quantum mechanics is, okay. right? But at, thinking about this fan thing, I was like, oh, that'd be cool if like, what if, what if you match the frequency of whatever the, because in this, in the strobe light experiment, you're matching the natural frequency of the fan so that it looks stationary. Okay. So it's like, oh, um, you know, it's like, oh, it, 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 what if we can make, <laughs> what if we can sort of do that in a quantum system is what I was trying to say. But like how if you can you... match the natural frequency of, of the, like, meaning like if, if I wrote out energy, by the way, I'm not trying to use frequency in some like hokey fucking way. Okay. <laughs> I'm saying like, you know, the energy as defined by H bar omega. Mm -hmm. Right, you know, we see that thrown in there a lot of the time. So omega would be the frequency. Yeah. Okay. So if you, if let's say you you know the frequency of your system. Yeah. The natural frequency of the system. Let's say you you load up a laser and you shoot it at your atom. Okay. Is that? <laughs> I don't think I I already was like thinking about it. And I was like, ah, I don't think it's possible. But yeah. I, I think it's a cool idea. Like, so h h bar omega is kind of the quantized energy. Yeah. Of, let's say, of some I forget which system it goes with. Which one does H bar omega it's a, go it's with? Any 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 sort of massless. Uh, okay, so like a photon, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and you can have different integer values of H bar omega. Sure. And that omega corresponds to. It corresponds to the wavelength of the photon. Yeah, if you wanted, let's say, let's say I sh I wanted to shine a uh, a photon or send a photon to this yeah system. But then you're interrupting that system. You're collapsing it. I am, I am. But I'm wondering if I could always get the same eigenvalue if I match the natural frequency, like you know. But it may it may not be. I I think 
I have to really think about that because quantum mechanics already doesn't make enough sense to me. So now I'd have to really think. And this is another thing I've noticed with with me that I wish I had Mm -hmm. better knowledge of. You know, although I've taken quantum mechanics for three semesters, Mm -hmm. I feel like I still don't really get it because (laughs) the only way you really start to understand things is when you do the experiments and you can see them in real life. Mm -hmm. I still don't get a lot of like how they do certain quantum experiments. For instance, like in the future, you know, we we want to do a video on quantum information. Yeah, yeah. Like, I still don't understand how you put an object in superposition. I don't get how you would put a particle in a superposition. I think they do it. I think we've kind of, maybe we've mentioned this, but I don't. I, I also don't get the Stern Gerlach. Brian, I mean, um, Sean Carroll talked about the spin up. You know, it goes through uh, the electromagnets like and then it spin up. Yeah. It goes either goes up or down, and then they turn it sideways and it goes either up or down. I still don't really get that Stern Gearlock either. Maybe I can sort of give an explanation because it it stumped me too. Yeah, but I I tried to spend a lot of time with this because yeah, but like, how's it always spin up and down? Like it, that's why I didn't understand. That's the superposition. That's, yeah, but why why wouldn't it go sideways sometimes? Because then it seems like it's spatial somehow. If it always goes up and down, like why? It seems like you I should th- at least have siders uh, left or right then. I think what the experiment is trying to show is that there's something funky with this because classically you're filtering things out. Yeah. You should be filtering things out, but yeah. it's not. Yeah, but I just don't get why it's always up or down. Like why can't it be left or right sometimes? Let's say if you only have one electromagnet. Why can't it be left or right? What do you mean? So when you... Okay, so let's say this. You have a particle that goes through an electromagnet. Let's say it's an electron. Yeah, an electron that's what I mean through. by... That's what they it mean by... It goes up and down. or down yeah. because of spin up or spin down. Yeah, yeah. But why can't it be left or right? Why is I think it always because, up and I think down? because the polarization of the... Like, you know what I mean? It needs to either go... Um, like, you know, if it's positive field, it'll yeah. probably go this way. Okay, so if I turned it, like, sideways, you think it'd go left or right? Yeah, yeah. But the, It's I, just I so think weird still I, because then even it's like, um, oh, because you're saying when the, well, no, because, um, oh, okay, you're saying that when the electro, electron enters in, it somehow becomes polarized to up or down? Yeah. Because that's what okay. they're trying to do. They're okay. trying to filter it out, but then when they put yeah. it through another filter, they say, they see, dude, this right. thing still has... Right. They fucking spin down. Sorry right. Cuss, but, okay. <laughs> but that's the nature of, they're saying, that's the nature of superposition. Like, it, right. for some reason, it goes, like, in between here and here, there's still something going on where, like, the states are preserved. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we okay. never lose that for some reason. It's okay. strange. It is strange, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of like the- I think I understand now that we just said it. Yeah. No, it's- Yeah. It's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quantum it's mechanics fucked. is so strange. It's- really strange man it's uh it's funky there there's a lot of uh like even till today like i have stacks of books but because like like if you look back there there's uh uh, what is understanding more quantum mechanics right behind you there's a book called understanding more quantum mechanics okay it's a really good book but um like it's something that i didn't learn to appreciate until after like a lot of the time when you finish up your your core your core classes right Mm -hmm. You can finally breathe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and, uh, you get the false sense. Do you understand things? No, you do. But then <laughs> I, I, I try to go back and clean up any misconceptions because it's, 
no one actually, and I feel like no one, maybe it's just a lack of good textbooks in my opinion, but yeah. um, there are very few books that, like I was saying, spell, it's not spell it out for you because then that makes me, some of this is my thing that's like makes me lazy, but. Mm, fuck that. There's certain, like they give you like particle in a box, right? Yeah. They give you that and they never really tell you, oh, this is, in real life, we treat, you know, lattices like this. Like we treat bound uh, electrons like this, like the potential is like a box. Okay. We look at a simple model like that. Like a bound electron is like effectively a particle in a box. Mm-hmm. They don't say that for the most part. I think in some condensed matter books, they kind of, but that's you have really to go into to a specialized, though. you have to go into yeah. a whole specialized thing to even see that. Right. That's, that's really annoying to me though. It is annoying. Because it's like, give me the real the picture. Thing is, yeah. The thing is we're classical beings. Yeah. We're Newtonian beings. Yeah. Like, I get that you just want to give us the math and shit in an abstract form, but, yeah. like, I need something real to hold on to, or else yes. it's just going to go out of my mind. I'm just going to yes. say this is some random ass generalization that I have nothing to, I have nothing to hold on to. I can't tie it to my experience. Yeah. My you remember how long experience. it took me to understand what the fuck a harmonic oscillator was in quantum <laughs> mechanics, and then we finally understood it after we took condensed matter and realized, oh, it's just like an, it's just like a particle within... A, an a lattice of other atoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that annoys me. It is greatly. It, yeah. it is super annoying, and it's, it's just uh, like it's either like showboating or just like being so far distant that you're just <laughs> you forget that she, there is a uh, uh, a a reality. Re- a reality to consider. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's really annoying, and I'm. I also didn't. I also figured out that the ladder operators that Dirac invented are not that complicated either. It's just if you. If you take the um, Hamiltonian, once again, that's just the expression for energy. If you take the Hamiltonian using a different form of math, where if you take, um, where you factorize it, and you just have imaginary components, it actually all comes out very easily to derive. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm like, oh, it actually makes sense. I I've, get the ladder operators now. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that proof. I should I should probably brush yeah, up on it. It's not some random. I was just like, how did he come up with ladder operators? I don't get how he. <laughs> came up with this shit yeah but it's really easy you just take the math and then yeah. the math does everything for you yeah some things are super powerful and really simple and like even even like commutation rules i i it was there was a frustration there because yeah. like the commutator like what does it mean right yeah. and i feel like some professors didn't really at least in my undergrad i think my grad i wasn't until graduate school that there was one professor that i can think of that kind of explained it well but um it's just straight up a mathematical tool it is but you know where i heard it put best what was in uh was by uh uh eric weinstein or weinstein oh what he say? he was like commutation rules are basically the order at which you can do things oh yeah and he was you saying can't put your pants on yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and i was like wow that's, that's a great way to a say perfect it. way to put it yeah so simple so simple yeah. elegant and it's tied to your real experience right. you know what i'm saying it's like <laughs> what oh, did he course. say exactly like you know if someone put their underwear first before their pants exactly or if they did you know exactly exactly <laughs> and, but you don't know if someone put their their um shirt on before their pants yes yeah thank you that's exactly yeah. what it is. And math follows the same. There's certain yeah. operations that, you know, you can know which, mm-hmm. which the, the order matters. Right. In a sense. Yeah. That's such the, see, that's so such a, that's yeah. why I love Weinstein. He's just <laughs> such a good explainer. He's explains yeah. things in such a really easy, yeah. simple way. I think, I think there needs, there needs to be more uh, physicists like that with that mindset of, 
Yeah. Because a lot of them just say, if you don't get it, then... Then you're fucking retarded. Get out of my class. You know, <laughs> it's absurd. It's absurd. It really is. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, yeah, We're I feel like... We're at 65 like, minutes too, by the way. Yeah, I feel like... Um, I feel like for the for the maybe a couple next episodes, I think I'm actually I bought Sean Carroll's book. Yeah, go ahead something, and plug that bad something boy. Something deeply hidden. Pay I, us, Sean. We're gonna we're gonna well, I'm I'm definitely gonna read this, and when I'm done, maybe you can take a look at it. But yeah, um, I I do want to go more deeper into the interpretations uh, as outlined in here, and then maybe sort of relay that to y'all. Maybe we can do it if we can get around to doing an episode on the different interpretations of quantum yeah, mechanics. Yeah, Because this was more of like us reacting. I, I yeah. it was just more reacting to like Sean's uh, sort of comments. And yeah, him being on Joe Rogan and everything. We thought we'd yeah. jump on it. So, so yeah. Um, anyway, stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Hello. Thank you. Well, not hello, actually. Thank you just for making it yes. this far. You've done good, people. Thank you again. Keep on, keep on supporting. You guys are great. Yeah. Keep on keeping on. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening and make sure to follow us, subscribe, like Mm -hmm. all that stuff, share, especially if you're wherever you're most active socially, share that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's it guys. Also follow us on Twitter at Eigenbros and we'll see you next time. Yes. Peace. I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? To end the show?